Today, for our 100th episode, we will be interviewing social media stars and podcasters, Dr. Glaucom Flecken and Lady Glaucom Flecken. This is Doctor versus Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, what we normally do is I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. But today is our special 100th episode. To commemorate this, we have invited back one of our most popular guests ever, Will Flannery, a.k.a. Dr. Glaucom Flecken. Plus, sorry to interrupt, but we also have Will's wife, Kristen, a.k.a. Lady Glaucom Flecken. We're very excited to have them. We're going to be talking about a number of things, including their new podcast, Knock Knock High. Well, hey, welcome to the show. We're very happy to welcome back one of our favorite guests, Will Flannery, a.k.a. Dr. Glaucom Flecken. We found out via feedback and statistics and whatnot that he was also one of your favorite guests. Today, he has not come alone. We're also pleased to welcome Kristen Flannery, a.k.a. Lady Glaucom Flecken, here. Both Will and Kristen are co-hosts of the new podcast, Knock Knock High, which I believe chronicles their life as Jehovah's Witnesses. Is that right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. <laughs> we'll we'll get to the real thing. That is not that is not at all. I can hear I can hear people turning this off immediately. I should have <laughs> right. There was a tiny pause before you laughed, and in that time was when people went click. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know that I'm a statistically significant guest. Yes, though. yes. That's yes, very nice. Yes. The yeah. P value. P value on that. I don't know. I'm not the academic here. <laughs> yeah. So both of you made a P value joke. This is <laughs> this we're is off to a great start. Pretty pretty soon. Yeah. I'm a recovering academic. <laughs> oh. So well, I, mean, sorry. I think we're doing that. We do have a pediatric neurologist here with us who's probably a little bit more inclined to the to the academia academic side yeah. of things. If I start talking about that, then the rest of the listeners will just tune off. And yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was told this is going to be a journal club. Are we not? Yeah, we can pivot. No, we, okay. All right, you know, whatever, it's fine. We can pivot if you need to, if that makes you feel more comfortable. Yeah, so let's talk about, well, Asif, why don't you dive in? Let's let's figure out. Yeah, I did want to ask you guys, and in fact, we were just talking a bit about at the very beginning when you guys just came on about how busy you guys must be. You guys have a family, right? Two kids, correct? I think we still have two, right? Yeah. And you guys are busy, uh, and now you have this podcast on top of it. How do you guys fit everything into your lives? Well, Kristen actually works, does Glock and Flick and full-time now. Yes, so, it's become so busy that I yes, could hurt. not do both my day job and this stuff. And so I've dedicated my full attention to this during the the times when our children are at school. <laughs> and and I'm an ophthalmologist. So there you go. So explanatory. <laughs> my work week is I have, I have four days a week clinical. And so we do have one day a week that we cram in all the recording and 
And that's the skits that I still continue to to put out in the videos. Those are like at night. And, and that's because he has a very patient and long suffering wife. Yeah, that's the true. They 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 that. tolerate me showing up in different costumes around the house. Long suffering has become <laughs> increasing suffering. I guess now you're all in on the Glaucom play, <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Turn into it. it. <laughs> but yeah, nights, nights, and weekends. Lots of those too. So. I don't know. I don't know how. Honestly, I don't know how we fit it in. But I mean, I'm getting a good picture for how you guys fit it in. Who is raising the children? Is what I'm <laughs> left thinking. We have a dog. Sure. Yeah. I think he's he's dog a pretty helps. good babysitter. He's pretty good. But no, they attend school. Yeah. For one, and then <laughs> they're good kids. They're and, and school programs. And, yeah. And, and we do actually parent. Believe it do. or not, we we, we do. do fit that in too. Yeah. So. Kristen, when, when Will was on the podcast before, we talked about his origin story, how he got involved with comedy, was doing stand-up, then a medical school, and how he kind of came into YouTube shorts. But what's your origin story? How did you get to this place right now, speaking in front of a microphone? Picking and screaming, mostly. <laughs> no. <laughs> we met way back in college at Texas Tech University. And started dating there. And I don't know, I dragged him out to Dartmouth with me. I wanted to go to, I did go to grad school there. And so we managed to, at the very last second, get him into the med school there as well. Which was great because it was like $200,000 more. Yeah. So he's all set to go to like a public med school in Houston where his family lives. Oh, wow. He probably could have lived at home. So a monthly reminder. Yeah. worked out for you you'd be dead otherwise i would be dead everything she says every point in the road every decision comes with that phrase at the end you know otherwise you'd be dead and part of will's mind goes to what if it's the two hundred thousand a year that was what killed me that caused (laughs) cardiac arrest (laughs) is there like a meet cute story about how you guys met that we can share on the podcast no We have differing opinions about how we met also. Like, I think we have different memories of events. We met in the dorm room. We probably should have come up with a better (laughs) fake story. The elevator pitch is we we met through mutual friends, which is true. And it was in the honors dorm. So, like, that tells you what kind of people we are. But he came (laughs) in and he was livid. And I had never seen him before. Didn't know anything about him. Was there with some friends. And he came in and was really upset that one of them owed him an apology. <laughs> and I don't even person, remember what it was for. He, according to him, I'm just watching this unfold. This person, this friend of mine and his, uh, apparently never apologized. And that rubbed him the wrong way. And he felt he was owed an apology. But it wasn't about getting the apology. It was more about getting the friend to apologize. Probably so, he owed me drug money. That's no, I don't, I don't, <laughs> no. I don't remember what it was. Again, we were in the honor store. But anyway, it, and then we eventually, I don't know, we just we started hanging out more and started dating. It and it was back in the day when AIM was really popular. Oh yeah, AOL you guys, were, either of you, it was a thing for you no. guys, but sure, the toothpaste, AOL Instant Messenger. No, <laughs> AOL, you know, had Instant Messenger. Yeah, you guys probably are familiar with yeah, that. Yeah. And I don't know. Did you do I was, ICQ? It was ICQ. The yeah. successor to ICQ. Yeah. And so we did a lot of like banter. I was real I was really good at flirting on AOL Instant Messenger. I think that's that's a really got me. Good in person. Yeah, yeah no. Saying, yeah. I needed that yeah, that buffer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Need that screen. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And Kristen, how is it now you were doing your masters when I guess Will was at 
med school. Mm-hmm. How is it, you're an outsider, you're not in medicine, Will and I are in medicine. And so how is that interacting with medicine? Arrogant, obnoxious. What, that is, I'm just <laughs> kind of a smug tone, I think, but anyway. Yeah, you understand. <laughs> That's right. You know how we're condescending in medicine to people? No, we are. So how is that being an outside person looking in? Mm-hmm. Do you get sick of that? I know when you're around a crowd of doctors, Ali, when he hangs out with me and my wife, who are both doctors, I can see his eyes like, you know, physically going back into his head, rolling his eyes so much and so bored. Does that happen to you? Yeah, you get really good at like smiling and nodding. Or then sometimes you put on like a like an interested face, like a furrowed brow. and like, oh, it's fascinating. But you're really just like going through your grocery list or something in your own mind. No, I was in a, a PhD program while he was doing his MD. And through that program, I realized I did not actually want a career in research. That was kind of a miserable time because I, I didn't like what I was doing and and I wasn't probably doing a very good job of it either because I didn't like what I was doing. But it helped to have that other thing that I was really busy with as well. And so we would kind of be busy together, right? Like we were each doing our own things, studying our own things, but we were both doing that so much that we could at least be in the same room doing <laughs> yeah. it, you know, and that was kind of the beginning right. of our relationship. Spent a mean, lot of time studying together. That. Yeah, it was a lot of. Friday night in the library kind of college. We had a lot of fun. Card play hard kind of people. So yeah, that helped having a different set of people that were not in medicine that were my friends, but then also getting to know his friends that that were in medicine with him. And that's something I encourage anybody in medicine to like have somebody outside of medicine you could like hang out with because insular and you get into these little like ways of thinking. I was just saying the other day, like you're doctors, right? Or you're learning to become doctors in med school and you're learning all about the body and how to keep it healthy and how to keep it moving and cure illness. Meanwhile, the entire system is set up to make you sick. So you're not very good at taking care of yourselves and the system is not very good at taking care of you. And so I did do a lot of the like, you should go see a don't doctor. Forget, this is not normal. You got a big I- lump in your testicle. Why don't you go see a doctor? <laughs> right. So I have to be that voice a lot. Yeah, exactly. I have to say this. I was introduced, Kristen, to the Journal of Cardiac Failure. Yes. Did not know that existed. Really? You didn't know? You, a comedian, were unaware (laughs) of the Journal of Cardiac Cardiac Failure. Failure. Was hoping it didn't exist, to be quite honest. I was like, we don't need one of those, but there's enough (laughs) cardiac failure that, of course, we need one of those. (laughs) Your article did strike a chord. My, My mother had a similar situation to what Will went through also in right during COVID mm-hmm. where people in hazmat suits right. bust in to the house. And I still think of that team of people who came in and the work that they do. And I'm I'm just eternally grateful for, 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 yeah. for paramedics and all the people who work on, on these teams. But you've become this advocate for CPR because of the experience you've had. You've become also an advocate for those who have survived the trauma of resuscitating a loved one. Yes. And I didn't quite have to go down that path, but I wonder if you could tell us a bit about your experience with Will's cardiac arrest. Yeah. So we were asleep. He was very rude and tried to die. And his timing was also very rude. It was the night after Mother's Day. Like, come on. What was I thinking? (laughs) No, he started making really weird noises that I, not being in medicine, had no idea what was happening. It was early in COVID. It was May 2020. So I thought that they sounded really respiratory. So of course, my mind went straight to COVID. But he wasn't responding. He wasn't waking up. He wasn't 
stopping the noise and it was kind of like this very loud snoring noise but it was like more urgent sounding kind of panicky sounding and so I called 911 and they walked me through CPR which that 911 dispatcher I always say she's my hero and she's the reason he's still here because I had no idea that he was in cardiac arrest I had no idea he needed CPR I didn't know that those sounds were agonal breathing which she knew right away from what you were describing she was very well aware of what he's yeah so it turns out one of the things I've learned is there's only two questions to ask of whether someone needs CPR which is are they breathing normally and are they unconscious so zero and no and no he wasn't right yeah he was unconscious and he was not breathing normally and so then you do cpr and so she had me do that and i i did cpr for 10 minutes and then the paramedics came and shocked him five times and which um, is an incredibly long time yeah 10 minutes minutes, of chest compressions it's exhausting just reading your account it it's very clear that you couldn't have a longer 10 minutes in your entire life even if you tried no and it felt like an eternity. It's a very bizarre experience. You know, it was a little bit of an out of body experience for me, or at least like a a split experience. You know, there was a part of me that was just very focused on the task at hand and what I was doing. And I was telling the dispatcher, you know, we got kids in the next room. Can you please try to not wake them up? And I don't want to scare them. And, and, you know, this is the room that we're in fastest way to get up here, which door might be open, you know, just all of these things. The the code to our garage door, like she's, you gave the cardinal directions to our bedroom. It's like, <laughs> we're in the northwest corner of the house. Meanwhile, she's doing chest compressions. Like, it's the, the 911 call is unbelievable of what she was able to tell them yeah. in this moment. And for people who are curious, that 911 call exists. You have it does. put it out there in the interest of, of helping people put themselves in the place of maybe you know, one hopes not, but if you're in that situation, you'll be better able to right. to act and think if thanks to something like that. Yeah. And I also, I put it in a place where, I mean, it's, it's available to anyone. It's a supplemental material attached to that article, which is open access. But I had healthcare workers in mind in sharing that and, and in speaking about it. That's always who I have in mind because the people that have done it understand <laughs> how traumatic it is, but the healthcare system does not. And the people that witness it or respond, lay responders, people who are not professionals or trained in these things, you're not prepared for what you see and hear and feel and do when you're responding to an arrest. And so it's traumatic. It really is. I mean, you're you're watching someone die and most likely it's someone you know and probably even a loved one, just statistically speaking, most out of hospital cardiac arrest happen in the home. So the other people who are there to respond are loved ones. So, you know, I did. I watched him dying under my hands and he turned all the colors and he made all the noises. And he. And so there was the one part of me that was just thinking about what I needed to do and what I needed to say to the dispatcher. But then there was another part of me that was kind of having this this out of body experience and kind of, you know, the life flashing before your eyes kind of experience. And I was thinking about the college version of us and the and the med school and grad school version of us and thinking of all the you know, the bright future that we were excited about and and all the hard work that we've put in to get where we are and just thinking it can't end like this. Like, this is not how this story is supposed to end. We just got started. You know, we just, we have our beautiful family. We're settled in. We're done moving around the country. We've done all this hard work and we've, we've built this life together. And just to watch it collapse right as it, it gets going, like, no, I'm not. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of our kids. 
Yeah. With all that in mind, I imagine the compressions also turned to a couple of dropped elbows and punches. Like, get off. It's not, it <laughs> yeah. not end like this. Stop it. <laughs> get Come back on. here. We had That's... just gotten a mortgage the month Yeah. Ago. Oh, boy. You do not leave me with this mortgage. One thing I've noticed from a, let's say, a, a illustrative perspective for people who don't know you, there's a lot of talk about cardiac arrest and not heart attack. Yes. And I notice there's a attention made to say cardiac arrest, and that's because they are not the same thing. I wonder if you can They're tell not. people. Yeah. Can you illustrate what the difference is between those differences? Yeah. And that was something I didn't know, you know, even as a an educated, intelligent person, I just, I'm not in medicine. I didn't know that there was a difference because they're used so interchangeably in kind of popular media. Cardiac arrest is, is an electrical problem. So, you know, your heart pumps blood, but it does that using electricity to signal to the brain and the body and all these things. I don't know. I shouldn't go into that. That's out of my depth, but, but it has this electrical component. This important. And so a cardiac arrest is when the electrical component stops working. And so the heart just stops being able to pump. A heart attack is more of a plumbing problem, right? It's when there's blood flow being stopped from being able to go where it needs to go for a variety of reasons. And you're still, and I, I don't know why I'm explaining this and not. I just want to make you, sure. But... I noticed that you asked her. And yes. <laughs> is it because I'm an ophthalmologist? Is that why? I think Ali knows that Will and I really don't know anything about yeah. our own specialties. I think you're doing a great yeah, job. You are. Absolutely. Okay. You know, in a heart attack, you're still conscious. You can, you have a little bit of time. You can get to the hospital. In a cardiac arrest, you're dead. Like already, you have died. But you're, yeah, your heart, your just heart's not pumping, yeah. and a heart attack can lead to a cardiac arrest. Right. But it's just a, a matter of what's the first thing that happens. A cardiac arrest can happen from other reasons. You and, don't. It doesn't have to be a heart attack that caused it. There's a lot of things that could. And my heart was it. structurally fine. Like there were no blood flow issues. I didn't have a heart. It was clear, very clear. I did not have a myocardial infarction or a heart attack it was just my heart was in the either like yep. just my heart was structurally totally it. fine and we still don't know why yeah so they never found a cause no nope. mm -hmm. and so will what's the last thing that you remember and then the next thing that you recall you know in terms of that time period yeah i remember last thing i remember was i think the day after mother's day going on a drive because one no, of our, that was Mother's Day. That was Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I don't remember about 24 hours before the cardiac arrest. The last thing I remember was about 24 hours earlier. We had a afternoon at my mother-in-law's house. We had a water balloon fight. Next up, so you remember the day before <laughs> Mother's Day? So, yeah, I don't even yeah. remember. No, there's pictures, and I talk about it all the time too. So it's hard to tell what you remember. And to what, this day, I still pictures, get but... the timeline all mixed up. I think what's important is that you played a place a lot of emphasis on Mother's Day. I think that's the takeaway here. Right? Yes, exactly. Nothing matters more than Mother's Day. It's the most important right. day. Right. You Absolutely, I get good Mother's Day now. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Hell yeah! The thing I, the first thing I remember is waking up in the hospital and not having any underwear on. <laughs> that really stuck in my mind. Like what? Where am I? What am I doing? And that's actually the reason I tell people like this. People ask me about the story. And as you can see, he does not have the details. correct. Right. But it's not it's not my story to tell. Yeah. Right. How interesting. It's Kristen's story to tell because she lived every single moment of that. The cardiac arrest resuscitating me the 24 hours. When I was cooled down in the ICU. Huh? Taking off your underwear, apparently. <laughs> Taking off. Yeah, exactly. I was not responsible All of for it. that. Let the record show. And so, and so that's why I like 
like she needs to be the one to tell this story and she does it very well and has a lot more insight into it than I do. I want to ask you a bit about that because I don't know if this was in that article or it was in one of your talks that you gave at a conference because you guys give conference uh, conference talks individually and together, a combo deal, if anyone's interested in that combo deal. And I read that you, Kristen, you asked Will to listen to the 911 call. I did, yeah. What, What kind of prompted that? Yeah, he wasn't keen on that idea. <laughs> I really, I was very much opposed at first. Force him to, but I did ask him if he would, because I was so alone in that space, right? I'd had this huge, traumatic, life-altering, world-bending experience happen to me, and I was all alone. It was me and that dispatcher that were in that room that night, and you know, she was there via telephone, and no one knew what I had been through, and. Of course, when that happens, all the attention rightly goes to the patient, right? Like first and foremost, we need to make sure that he gets the help and the attention that he needs. The other side of it is just forgotten. You know, whoever responded to the emergency or the family member who family members who are now living with such uncertainty and fear and stress and all these things, those people just get overlooked for the most part because there's such this dramatic thing happening with the patient. And I was just so alone and I needed somebody to to live in that space with me and to know what I had gone through. I think I had already listened to it at that point because I just needed to process again, like what just happened? So I had listened to it a couple of times and that did help some, but I really needed someone else to know what I had been through and to be able to understand why I was so affected. And, and when she explained that to me, yeah, I was like, okay, Let's listen to it. And now we, when we speak together, yeah, at first I would go and do talks and I would talk about this because there's a lot of things to talk about with the whole experience, especially with the healthcare industry and, mm-hmm. and insurance and, and just there's a lot that goes into this whole event. And at first I was, a couple of times I would play the call, just me talking about this event and it didn't quite feel right. And then we started to do more speaking events together, partly because I needed her there to tell the story, right? Because it's her story. And so now we play that 911 call to medical audiences, and it's so much more effective at giving people those lessons that we've learned and that Kristen has learned and and trying to raise awareness for the co-survivors of medical trauma by playing that call and showing this is what medical trauma is like for people who are not the patient. It's just really powerful whenever we do it live. I think on paper, both of these things, playing the call for others, Kristen, you playing it for Will, they sound like strange things. If you have no idea, right? You just, that's strange. And, and, you know, Will, I think you yourself are saying that it was like, I don't think I want that. Mm -hmm. And then when you hear it, you go, oh, this is incredibly instructive, informative, because you start thinking, would I have the wherewithal? Would I have the calmness about me? Would I have the wits about me? Would I have the a hundred different things that are going through your head? Would I be able to push that all out and focus on what needs to be done? Mm -hmm. Would I be able to save the person who loves me, basically? At an even more basic level, like I need to get certified in CPR, right? (laughs) Like you listen to that. And I was a practicing physician for a number of like five years when that happened. And not once in all that time did I ever think, oh, maybe my wife should learn CPR. 
it never even occurred to me and i'm in medicine right and so when we talk that's one of the points that i like to make is like i know there are people out here who are have are listening to this who have family members who don't know cpr there's no reason not to go and get certified unless you just physically can't do cpr doctors are the worst patients and so they're not very good at remembering that like oh hey wait i might be the patient at some point yeah maybe I'm the medical person in this family, but maybe I should teach them a thing or two just right. in case I ever need and it. And then when we when we talk about that, then we usually have the audience go ahead and try CPR out to on the people next them. to them. It really it goes very well. Yeah. <laughs> Some broken ribs, but you have the you have the insurance for that? <laughs> well, I want to ask one more. I had to ask this neurologic question. Mm-hmm. Of course. No neurologic problems afterwards. Just the well, ones he already had. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> More of the same? <laughs> More of the same. No, nothing new. We'll say that. Yeah, neurologically, I was intact. Wow, amazing. And I was able to, I took a, from the cardiac arrest, it was a month before I was back doing eye surgery again. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, he went in on a Monday morning and was home by dinner on Thursday. Wow, unbelievable. What people really want to know is how long was it between when you were discharged and your first TikTok video? That's actually what I think people want to know. Oh, it was in the hospital. You made those videos while you that, were- No, that was whenever I went back to get my, my ICD Oh, that's placed. right, yeah. But it was like maybe a week. Yeah. <laughs> I was tweeting right away. Yeah. He did. Asif saw it. Yeah. That's you know. how I knew he was okay. Right. What Kristen did was she sent me my phone with me because this is COVID, right? She couldn't be in the hospital with me. Right. So I had my phone with me, but what she did was she deleted all my social media and banking apps <laughs> because she appropriately reasoned that if I was able to somehow unlock my phone, download Twitter, we'll say, and and remember my password and log in. I was probably safe to tweet again. He's yes. going to be all right. Very smart. It's going to be all right. Yeah. So she didn't want me getting myself into trouble. And yeah. You yeah. were concerned about the neurologic injury and the banking, right? I can yeah. say, yeah, that makes I, Cause sense. I didn't know for yeah. 24, 36 hours, something, whatever it was. First it was, Oh, he woke up. Awesome. Then it was, he followed commands. Like he looked somewhere with his eyes when they told him to. And that was a huge moment of relief. That was the thing that we were all waiting for to see. Like, is he still functional? in there and then it was okay so he's functional but is he still him does he remember things does he does he know who i am does he know who he is does he remember how to do his job any of these things and so when i saw that tweet i was like oh thank goodness (laughs) he is still him but then it was unfortunate that you did get your banking information and then you kind of gambled away all the money that was (laughs) that was unfortunate for the we're in trouble right now yeah we're still recovering from that Let's talk about what we talked about right out of the gate, which was the new podcast, Knock Knock High. I want to know, how did it come about? How did the name come about? And also, does it feel like work? Yeah, we've actually thought for quite a while about doing a podcast, like going back a few years. It was just kind of, you know, we never never found the time to do it. And then as my platform grew and people started reaching out to me for people reach out to me for all kinds of different things. And and one of the things was this production company called Human, Human Content. Content. Human Content. I can never say it. And uh, they're like, hey, you know, we'll help you. Yeah, you know, we think you'd be a, you got a voice for podcasting. And so. Radio face. Yeah, I got a radio face. <laughs> <laughs> and so that kind of started the process really like picking up like, okay, maybe we actually should do this because now we have this company that's willing to take away some of the 
nitty gritty work, the editing, the, and that was really the only way we could do it because we're so busy otherwise. And so then we're like, okay, what are we going to call this thing? And you actually, it was your idea to yeah. have this name because when my videos really started taking off, they were, I was doing these first day of rotation, med student, first day of rotation videos, like first day of cardiology, first day of neurology. And the med student would always, the first thing I would say is knock, knock, hi, I'm the new med student. And so it just became synonymous with my videos. And we were like, oh, that's, that seems like a good the med student, you know, goes around and experiences all the different areas yeah. of healthcare. And that's kind of what we're doing with this podcast is talking to people from all over healthcare or healthcare adjacent, even sometimes to just kind of hear the stories about what it's like to, to be in that profession. And part of what we wanted to accomplish with this is, and something I talk about a lot whenever I speak is doctors being able to show now their true colors, like who they are, their personalities, talk about the things that make them laugh or cry or, you know, just humanizing, humanizing physicians, which we've had a big problem with for a long time. And the idea that, you know, it's not professional to do that as a physician, which is something that needs that should go away. And so by having, you know, healthcare professionals come on and and talk about some of these things that are more fun and lighthearted and telling stories about their time in training or embarrassing moments. And I think it helps to show that side of people in medicine that I think the public could benefit from hearing. We often have people writing in and, and saying that, is Asif a robot or an actual human being? And I have to explain to them, <laughs> yeah. no, no, he's... That's this is a person. This is a human being. A hybrid. Isn't that what a cyborg is? It's it's both You do have to plug him in every night. But... Yeah. Well, and Will knows this because you mentioned something the last time you were on about this authenticity. And it's really something I've taken away with me. And I really I know you were speaking to us and our audience, but I took it away personally as advice to myself. And I've tried to kind of live by that. So I do appreciate that. How did you guys come up with the format? Did you kind of brainstorm a couple different ideas? Because and just so people know, it's you you have a guest on who may be from, a, as you said, different specialty, or we may be hearing some in the future who are not necessarily physicians, but adjacent. And then you kind of you do an interview where they talk about some of these stories, as you mentioned, and then you kind of play a game at the end. And that's kind of, tell me about how that whole process came up. Well, I wanted to, we knew it was going to be kind of a storytelling based thing. And the idea of a game came a little bit later as we were figuring out, okay, well, I, I don't want this just to be like an interview thing. I want to do something a little bit more dynamic, kind of switch gears in the middle of it and uh, just to keep the audience engaged. And I kind of had, I don't religiously like watch, was it Jimmy Fallon? But I'm aware of that. He does those types of things with celebrities, right? And so I'm like, well, well, what if Jimmy Fallon just had zero budget? What would it look like? <laughs> and And so, but I like the idea of, trying to do something that maybe takes the person out of their comfort zone a little bit. And also it's just fun. It's just interesting to hear, you know, these healthcare buttoned up healthcare professionals that you expect them to be, but now they're a little bit more, it's a little bit more laid back and fun and, and, you know, interesting. That was kind of the idea. And so now I just, I try to come up with a new thing. It's getting more difficult. I'm going to brief start reusing some, mm -hmm. some of these little games. Some of them are good. Some of them are not as good. It's like part of it's just trying out different things and seeing what works, you know. But it's been a lot of fun so far and coming up with these. By the way, if anybody has any ideas. He's running out. I, it's, it's, I got to come up with like two of them every week. It's hard. I don't know how you do it. But eventually, you'll, it'll be like Price is Right. You know, you tune in Price is Right. Is it Plinko? Is it going to be Plinko? Then, you know, people will be excited. Right. It's going to be this. Right. One, you know, or... Like, what 
is it gonna be? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Adventure diagnosis yeah. was real popular. Ooh. Yeah, that, that was the first episode where we had a dermatologist on the derm doctor, Dr. Shaw, and and basically I came up with a, a hiking story and had him diagnose me along the way with with various illnesses and rashes that I would accumulate during the hike so that turned out really good like i said some are good some are not so good that i probably won't do again <laughs> but it's fun yeah we're putting out a call ideas yeah please for the games let me know how do you pick guests are you in a stage right now that it's sort of colleagues and people you know and then you'll go out from there it's some people I know, some people that have platforms in medicine on social media. We have a really good production team. We have a great production team that nice. is pretty well connected out there. And so they, and eventually we may start bringing in some like actors, people that have played, that played roles on, on medical TV shows <laughs> and stuff like that. But it's also just a lot of people that we already know and, and would be fun to talk to. And like my residency program director is one of the episodes and Dr. Mike, we just interviewed him. So he's going to be on one of our episodes. Someone suggested that, I think, on YouTube. Someone said, yeah. hey, you need to have Dr. Mike on. So Yeah, so many people are asking for Dr. Mike. So in February, so um, we're going to be talking to him. So, yeah. And if you're act- asking which Dr. Mike... You just have to listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's There's only right. one. There's only one. Only one doctor Dr. named Mike out there. Yeah, he's yeah. this. He's this little known YouTube person <laughs> in medicine. Other Mikes are not happy in the medical field that he <laughs> stole that and co-opted it. So, just as we wrap up, let's let our listeners know where can they check out the podcast and all things Glaucom Flecken. So it's called Knock Knock High with the Glockenfleckens. You can find it. Glockenflecken is just just exactly how it sounds. Just spell it out. And you can find it any place you find your podcasts. We're on all, all the things. You can also go to our website, glockenflecken.com. And all the information's there. And of course, yeah, on social, social media, media Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, all that stuff. I remember being in Erie, Pennsylvania, and the host was going to bring me on stage, and she said, what is your name? And I said, Ali. She goes, oops, okay, hold on, I'm going to have to write that down. And she, I hadn't gotten to Hassan yet. And so a Glaucom Flecken spelt like it sound is very, very funny to me. I love that. Yeah, it's 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 easy, right? <laughs> Ali, that's that's rough. <laughs> it's uh, just a just a flecken of glaucoma, right? That's basically <laughs> a little bit. With your profile being what it is. Probably after you put in the word knock, everything just spells itself on Google at this point. So Yeah, yeah, hopefully. If you do Glock and knock. You Glock and knock. It. Knock yeah. Glock, you know. Yeah. Spell, spell Glaucoma and then add a knock in there, you'll get it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. And the question I, I asked, but I kind of knew the answer. It doesn't feel like this is work for you. It feels like this is just a natural extension of oh, yeah. what you do. I, I feel the same way with us if this doesn't feel like work but that's because i don't put any work into it he, he does most of it he does the lion's share of work so i'm glad you think it doesn't seem like work because yeah. if the listener thought it seemed like work then That'd i'm not doing it correctly right. so no, uh but it's, it's a lot of fun it is fun we're other if we didn't enjoy it like I, I still am a practicing doctor, so I could always just do that. But we do this ophthalmology. Yeah, I'm not real doctor. <laughs> we do it because it's fun. And the production team does most of the they heavy help lifting. Us out a lot. Yeah, we we spend a lot more time together now, and so we're we're working on that out as a married couple. Yeah, sounds like part therapy. We appreciate your thoughts and prayers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Oh, God. Send gift baskets. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, both of you. That's yeah. Kristen Flannery, Will Flannery, the Glaucom Fleckens, and they just told you where you can find them. Knock Knock High's the new podcast, and Dr. Glaucom Flecken will continue on nights and weekends to do his videos, and Kristen will continue to be an advocate for CPR and, and health more broadly. And yeah, let's hope people check out what you... I mean... I don't know what to tell you. You have to go to the video. You just have to go and, and listen to the call and, and read the article. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> it's good stuff. Article's also on our, on our website. <laughs> <laughs> you can find it all there. No, I'm real proud of it. Kristen's just done incredible work. So she's the brains behind this operation. It's true. For sure. So, well, thanks for having us. That's how you stay together, huh? Awesome. If you get that, <laughs> you've got to call me the brains of the operation oh once in a while. And that's if how. If he doesn't, I might not save his life the next yeah. time. That's right. You never know. That's right. Oh, you'll yeah. do it. You'll do it. We still have that mortgage. So everyone, that was our interview with Will and Kristen, the Glaucom Fleckens. Let us know what you thought about the episode. I really enjoyed it. I thought they were great. A bit more serious than I think people may have got into, but they're not all comedy, right, Ellie? No, I mean, he's got a character that he plays and that's where the comedy is. I think they're they're often quite lighthearted in their podcast, but also tackle serious issues, kind of like yourself, but can't be all hee-hees and ha-has all the time. Well, I'll tell you something. I didn't want to ask him about it because it's just trolling, but there is some snooty cardiologist who was getting upset that Will was invited to speak at a conference. It's like that says a lot about conferences and cardiologists when you're inviting a comedy ophthalmologist to the conference. I'm like, if you can't appreciate that this person literally died and his wife had to do CPR on him, and the implications they have that cardiologists should be aware of what their patients go through and what their patient's partner goes through, you are so out of touch mm. as an academic cardiologist. I'm just like, just ignore that kind of negativity. I feel like you should have told him. You're kind of wasting it on me right now. But <laughs> yeah, that guy, you could only respond to his tweets if he follows you and you follow them. Protected tweets. So and of course he links Dr. Glaucom Flecken in the, you know, tags him in the thing. Why are you tagging him? If you're just making a comment to the cardiology community and all like, anyway, get out of here. You're a troll. Trolls don't have to be like these loser incels in their basement, right? It can also be like cardiologists. Anyway, ignore that. <laughs> Listen to Will and uh, Kristen's podcast. It's a lot of fun. And reach out to us. Let us know what you guys thought about this episode. DrVComedian at gmail.com. Other guests you might want to have on the show. Or if we have those guys on again, what you want us to ask them. DrVComedian on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're everywhere. Don't follow that cardiologist. Follow us. And remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.